Loving Father in heaven, praise, glory, honor be unto your name. For your goodness and love and mercy which you have bestowed upon all of us. We thank you, Lord, for providing food for us, water to drink, air to breathe, protection and guidance. And all this you give to us, not because of our righteousness or holiness, but because of your love and mercy and loving kindness towards us. Thank you, Father. We give our lives to you now and ask, consecrate us to your service. Speak to us from your word and grant us of your spirit to understand your word that we may imbibe it into our lives and fashion our characters into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Put your words in our mouth that the words we speak will be blessing to all who would listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, September 7. Be selective and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11. The Christian should withdraw himself from the company of those who are as a snare to his soul. When you come in contact with those whom you cannot lift into a pure and holy atmosphere because their moral tastes are wholly perverted, you must shun their society. Persons of this class have generally a strong will and positive temperament. And when wrought upon by the enemy of God, they become efficient agents in leading souls from the path of righteousness to paths that are false and dangerous. The moral atmosphere surrounding these souls is tainted with evil and exerts only a defiling influence. Your associates may not be expected to be free from imperfections or sin, but in choosing your friends, you should place your standard as high as possible. The tone of your morals is estimated by the associates you choose. You should avoid contacting an intimate friendship with those whose example you would not choose to imitate. Choose for your associates those who hold religion and its practical influences in high respect. Keep the future life constantly in view. Let not your associations put these thoughts out of your mind. Nothing will so effectually banish serious impressions as intercourse with the vain, careless, and irreligious. Whatever intellectual greatness such persons may attain, if they treat religion with levity or even with indifference, they should not be your chosen friends. The more engaging their manners in other respects, the more should you dread their influence as companions, because they would throw around you an irreligious, godless, irreverent influence, and yet combine it with so many attractions 
that it is positively dangerous to morals. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. A cowardly and silent reserve before evil associates while you listen to their devices makes you one with them. Have courage to do right. Amen. The title of our devotion is Be Selective. A key text is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 which says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. What are we to be selective about? We are talking about associations. Yesterday we began by looking at how to have a strong spiritual life. A formula was given to us that our religious life, the purity and soundness of our religious life is dependent not only on the truth we accept but on the company we keep and the moral atmosphere we breathe. That is our high calling, page 255, paragraph 3. And so we saw there that this is a formula for having a religious life, for checking the quality of your religious life. It can be in the negative, it can be null and void, it can be stagnant, or it can be growing. But it is dependent on three things according to this. The purity and soundness of our religious life is dependent on the truth we accept, the company we keep that is our associates and the environment that we are living in that is the moral atmosphere we looked a lot at the moral atmosphere yesterday and also the company but a lot on the moral atmosphere and its effect on our purity of mind you cannot maintain a pure religious life or you cannot grow while your environment is filled with suggestions to evil your ears open and always hearing evil and your eyes always seeing evil, your religious life will not be strong. And we were told in page 255 paragraph 4, the indulgence of wrong associations will have its baleful effect. It is a law. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company, evil associations, evil communications, evil friends will corrupt good manners it must have its effect and its results there's no way around it the bible may be read and prayer be offered yet there will be no increase in spiritual uh, health no growth of soul so long as the air which is breathed is bad that is why the greatest care should be exercised by believers to place themselves in close connection with God and with those who have been taught of God. So, that's the end of quote now. So, that means in order to have the spiritual life, it's not just by your personal devotion, having your prayers and Bible study in the morning. The company you keep and the atmosphere in which you live matters. That is what determines the air you breathe. The spiritual air you breathe is dependent on the company you keep and the atmosphere you live in. So while we have talked about the atmosphere and also the company, we'll go more into talking about the company today. Who are your friends? Who should I have as my friends? What are the standards I should use to check and determine who my friend is? 
and how can I cultivate a love for that which is good? As I just read now, it says the greatest care should be exercised by believers to place themselves in close connection, not just with God, but with those who have been taught of God. And that's why today our devotion is titled, Be Selective. How should you be selective? You should select carefully who your friends are. The reason is because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 that your friends will have an influence on you. If they are good friends, known by good conversation and good principles that come from the word of God in their life and therefore good character, they will have a good effect on you and you will be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. But if the friends are not good and you select bad friends, that is, bad friends are known by their principles too. Their principles are not lifted from the word of God but from the world. And also their conversation, the tone of their conversations are not in harmony with the law and principles of the word of God. And also their character therefore shows and exudes of evil. The atmosphere around them is satanic, devilish. Then the influence that they will have on you is of the same character, evil, satanic, devilish. That's why we are to be selective. Do not deceive yourself with whimsical notions that you are going to convert people and therefore you make them your friends. No. You don't make friends with evil people. You try to encourage and help them if they want to be helped. But as we see, here in our high calling page 256 paragraph 2 it says the christian should withdraw himself or herself from the company of those who are as a snare to his soul when you come in contact with those whom you cannot lift into a pure and holy atmosphere because of their moral tastes because their moral tastes these are wholly perverted, you must shun their society. Persons of this class have generally a strong will and positive temperament, and when wrought upon by the enemy of God, they become efficient agents in leading souls, including you, from the path of righteousness to paths that are false and dangerous. The moral atmosphere surrounding these souls is tainted with evil and exerts only a defiling influence. End of quote. So, you have to be able to judge carefully. Though you are a missionary, you need to understand when you cannot have an influence on certain people and shun their society and stay away from them. Is that what the Bible teaches? Verily, and we saw that yesterday in the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs reading chapter 4 verse 14 and 15 says, that you should enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. Don't deceive yourself saying I'm a missionary, I want to go and change them. Enter not into the path of the evil men. Avoid it. Don't even pass by it. Don't come close. Turn from it and pass away. Don't go by the side and pass through. Pass, you turn away from it. 
Why is God so particular about this and saying evil communication, corrupt good manners, turn from it, pass away, don't even go close? Why? Because of the laws of the human mind. It is a law that by beholding you become changed. Acquaintance with evil, the knowledge of evil is what God is trying to protect us from. And just that knowledge will be a temptation to you. What you don't know cannot tempt you. But in association with the evil people, when you hear the things that they say and see the things they do, those things become a temptation to you. It would have been better you didn't hear it or you didn't know it because by knowing, because you heard or saw, the devil can bring such suggestions to your mind at certain times, tempting you to do that thing which you heard or saw with your eyes. And this is the reason, at least one of the main reasons why God is so particular about your association. Do not associate with the evil. The Bible tells us that we should be ignorant of these evil things. And the exposure and knowledge you get from these friends or associations will be a temptation and a snare to you. A snare and that's why we are told here in the first part of our devotion the Christian should withdraw himself from the company of those who are as a snare to his soul we are told explicitly how to behave when you come in contact with those who you cannot lift into a pure and holy atmosphere because of their moral tastes which is wholly perverted shun their society the book of Psalms 101 gives us principles of how to choose our friends as we see here in our devotion we are told your associates may not be expected to be free from imperfections or even sin your friends may have sin in their life and imperfections but in choosing your friends you should place your standard as high as possible why the tone of your morals is estimated by the associates you choose you should avoid contracting an intimate friendship with those whose example you would not choose to imitate psalm 101 reading now from verse 3 i will set no wicked thing before mine eyes i hate the work of them that turn aside it shall not cleave to me a froward heart shall depart from me I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. That means I will take him away. He's not going to be part of my friends. Him that had a high look and a proud heart will not I allow or suffer. Mine eyes shall be, that is my friends now, my eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. They that, that they may dwell with me, he that walketh in a perfect way he shall serve me he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight here in this psalm 101 is given to us principles on how to choose our friends now this does not mean that we do not associate with sinners we can associate with sinners with a purpose in mind a purpose of lifting them up but you need to be discerning to know 
the tone of somebody's morals and the influence they have. There are people that have strong influence. They have it. They, they, they are the type who are very vibrant. When you come around such people and you see that these people have greater influence than myself and it's going to be almost impossible to have an influence on them, we are told, shun them. Do not stay around such people because you cannot do them any good. But rather, they are the ones who will change you. And that's why you should shun such people. But when people come, even such people, and they have a disposition to listen, to make changes in their lives, though they are sinners, you can bring them around you. Why? Not because they are perfect and they don't have sin in their lives, but at least you can see that they want a pure and moral atmosphere they are willing to change but not so with someone who is dogged who the bible describes as the forward man do you know the bible has a lot to say about the forward man and what's the meaning of that word forward almost 90 percent of the word forward is used in the book of proverbs very few passages in the bible have it books in the bible have it but mostly the book of proverbs what is the meaning of forward? Forward means disobedient, difficult to deal with, having an evil disposition, unmanageable. What does the Bible say about the forward man? How do you know him? It says in Proverbs chapter Let me start with Proverbs chapter 3 verse 32. The forward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. Proverbs 6 verse 12, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. How do you know a froward mouth? Since the meaning of froward means it's difficult to deal with, having an evil disposition, unmanageable. That means a froward man is one who speaks in an evil way. You see, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 5 verse 3, that we should not let any corrupt communication come out of our mouths. That's 4 verse 28. 5 verse 3 says, Let not this be once named among us. That is, jesting, foolish talking. It should not be named once among us. The forward man speaks anyhow. His mouth talks of things that are immoral. Have you ever been in that situation where you come around your friends or someone, you don't know the person before, but the topic of their discussion shocks you and they either go to the immoral things, talking about their escapades in boyfriend, girlfriend, and all these sexual things, or they want to talk about fashion, or they want to talk about sports, or they want to talk about the latest movies. You see, those are forward discussions, discussing and planning evil also. The Bible says, stay away from such people. He that has a forward mouth, as you saw in Psalm 101, in the principles, they say they should depart from you. You don't make them your friends. Proverbs 22 verse 5 says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the forward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. But he that will not keep his soul is the one that will make a forward man his friend. The one who speaks anyhow and his conversations are not pure and moral. He says, anyone who wants to keep his soul will stay far away from such people. When choosing your friends, place the standard as high as possible. Here we see also how to conduct ourselves with, with courage. 
Some of us are so afraid of offending people that in that our fear, we ourselves put our lives in danger and are destroyed. You don't want people to hate you. You don't want people to have, if you don't want to have friction with anyone. You, you love to be loved. You see, that's a weakness. And listen carefully, it is a weakness. If you are the type who always wants to be loved, you are so careful to ensure that all people say about you is good, good, good. You don't want anything to say, anyone to say anything bad about you. So careful to avoid ridicule, insult, scorn. You see, that is part of the problem when you are too self-aware and self-conscious. You are not self-forgetful. Self-forgetfulness does not take to mind the slights and words that people say about them. Self-forgetfulness is not so careful to see that everybody likes them. They forget those things, what people say about them, and focus on what is important. You are around someone who is bringing up conversations that are not good. And perhaps you, you go out with someone and say, let's go to this place, and then they bring out, oh, let's, let's get alcohol. What do you do in such situations? I've been there before walking around it can be your relative by the way when we are seeing friends it includes your relatives either your brother your sister cousin uncle auntie whatever it is they are included in all of this don't say because they are my relatives therefore i I, am compelled to be around them shun their society even if they are your close relatives you have to shun the society of such people who the words that come out of them and the atmosphere around them is only evil continually. It will affect you. If they will not respect your own presence to know that there are certain things that are wrong and then try to change, then you have to shun their society. So what do you do in such situations? Here we see furnished for us counsel. Our high calling, page 256, paragraph 5. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. A cowardly and silent reserve before evil associates. While you listen to their devices makes you one with them. Have courage to do right. Hmm. End of quote. Have courage to do right. So what is right? What we have read before. Sean, their atmosphere shun their society some of us will sit down there for fear that we don't want them to know that we don't like what they are doing because if they know we don't like what they are doing we are afraid we are not sure but we think that they are going to hate us or they are going to speak evil of us or going to mock us and ridicule us so we become so careful but what does the bible say our key text here says in ephesians chapter 5 reading from verse 11 and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them of course, the Bible says in the Bible also that we should not rebuke an elder. So how do we blend these things? Are the people elderly? Simply shun their society. You may not have to rebuke them. But if they are people who are your mates, your friends, people who are your age group, the Bible says reprove them. You see people doing wrong around you and they are your environment, maybe your people you know, people you are acquainted with, not strangers now, people who you are acquainted with. It could be your brother, your sister could be just your acquaintance someone who's supposed to be your friend and they are doing something that is wrong bringing up conversations that is not good try and change the conversation into a good one you may not need to reprove them but when you see that you cannot shun their society and let it be clear why you are shunning the society not that you are trying to hide let them know clearly that you cannot engage in such conversation don't be a coward and 
koa like a dog with your tail between your legs and go away afraid that they are going to mock you, afraid that they are going to ridicule you. You are not representing Christ when you do that. Make it clear why you are not there. Why you can't join in those conversations that it is not good. That's what it says. Reprove them. That cowardly silence while they are talking and talking and you know what they are saying is wrong. You are still seated there. They are doing all the wrong things, talking about it. But because you want to be loved, you keep silent. You feel like, oh, I'm not joining them in it. But you are listening. That's what it means to be a coward. You are being reserved. You are are being reserved and keeping silent. You are not representing Christ as you should. You should correct them or reprove them. And if there will be no change in the conversation and in the characters, then you rise up from there and leave because you are showing a right example, both for yourself and for them, that your act will remain in their mind and they will think about it. And it will be a seed that you have sown in their mind that the the, the Holy Spirit can use to work out a transformation in their lives. But when you sit down there making them think that you are alright with everything they are saying, you are misrepresenting Christ and you are actually being deceptive. You are leading them to perdition because you should have shown them a better example by either correcting or rising up to leave and let them know that you don't support what they are doing so that it can give them at least an opportunity to think but you keeping quiet there is evil you are doing to them how can you be a blessing to the world the way god made abraham a blessing how did god god make abraham a blessing when god called abraham in genesis chapter 12 genesis chapter 12 god told abraham how he was going to make him a blessing to the whole world and guess how let's look at it in the book of genesis 12 reading from verse 1 now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. Take note. He didn't say mix with your country people. Get thee out of thy country. Separation. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land which I will show thee. Not until Abraham does this will he be a blessing. He says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. My brother, my sister, listening, do you know how you can be a blessing to this world? Do you know how all families of the earth shall be blessed through you? It is the same way all families were blessed through Abraham. It was not by him remaining in his country, among his relatives and kindred and his immediate family, but it was by his separation, first of all from country, then from relatives and also from his immediate family, separated and then the Lord said now. I will make you a blessing. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, not by mixing with the world, not by copying the world, but by being separate from the world. We saw that in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 yesterday. 2 Corinthians 6, reading from verse 14. 
But if you go down to 16, it says, And what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out, don't mix, come out from among them, and be ye separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. I'm reminded of the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah reading chapter 10. Reading verse 2 says, Don't learn the way of the nations. In King James, it says, Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Learn not the way of the heathen. I am also reminded of the book of Leviticus 18. God, when he was taking the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, had a stern, solemn warning for them. Leviticus 18 verse 2, God says to them, and he says to us today, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, you shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man shall do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Amen. And then God started to list out many of the evil things that these people do, especially when it comes to immoralities, nakedness, all those all those kind of things god said to list them see these are the things after the doings of the land where you are living where are you living and what are they doing there we are living in the world and god is saying to us that we should not be a part of the world we should not make people of the world our friends and close associates we are only here to bless them by being separate you cannot bless the world by being one with them some people today Christians claiming they want to convert the world and then they change their style of worship, change their music to make the world comfortable. But who has changed? You are the one. The world has changed you. You say, oh, you want to make your service sensitive and uh, in a way that will be appealing to the people of the world. And then you change, but they don't change. You are the one who has been changed by the world. Bible says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That is Romans 12, reading from verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable service. Don't allow the world to form you into its mold, but you are to be separate. That is the only way you can bless the world. If Jesus chose to be like us, how, us in the sense of sin now, could he have been a blessing to us? No. And you cannot be a blessing to your brother or your sister or your friend, your family and to the whole world if you are like them. You have to be separate. And when you are choosing your friends, you have to choose people who have the highest moral standard. There are people who avoid those who have a high moral standard of course there there's something called extremism what's extremism extremism has to do with going above what the bible says but today 
people who want to follow the Bible are the ones that are called extremists. Oh, you are an extremist. Why? You are doing what the Bible says because the Bible says you do this and that and that, that thing is extreme. Extreme is not being defined as going above but the Bible itself is not about what is extreme. And when people practice the Bible, they are called extreme. And then some will say, ah, I don't like this person. I have to avoid him. Why? He's extreme. Why is he extreme? Because he's doing what the Bible says, not because he's going against the word of God. And when you do that, you are not cultivating a love for the pure atmosphere. You see what is good and you are avoiding it because you don't want them to influence you. I don't want this good person to influence me. His ways are extreme. Her ways are extreme. But you are doing yourself harm by choosing the wrong associates. May God give us the grace to make the right choice when when making our friends. Amen. Amen. The title of the devotion is very striking. Be Selective. The texts have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And then it even gets more practical with the very first paragraph where it says that the Christian should withdraw. Keyword, withdraw. Now some of us, instead of withdrawing, we are advancing. And like Lord, first the waters were on our feet. Now, for some of us, it is on our knees. Before you know it, it will come to a level where a man can swim in it. Withdraw. It is a military language. The soldiers will say, pull out. That is an order. And it continues to say, withdraw himself from the company of those who are as a snare to his soul. Are you still counting the money and the time you've invested in those wrong companies, wrong relationships? Is that why it's so difficult for you to withdraw? Second Chronicles chapter 25 verse 9, I find it says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. I say to you today that the Lord is able to give to thee much more than you think you're losing by withdrawing. Amaziah wanted to unite the armies of Judah with the armies of Israel. And so God will have none of it. He's calling for separation. You think you will lose because of the time and the money you've invested. Mark chapter 10 verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that had left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life friends jesus have better friends for you and i hundreds of thousands of and thousands thousands fourth paragraph says choose for your associates those who hold religion and its practical influences in high respect keep the future life in constant constantly in view you know i find it very interesting one of the things when women think about when they want to get married 
or somebody proposes to them, they want to know what you're doing. What are you doing now? See, because they keep the future constantly in view. They care for their future happiness. And it's natural. It's not bad. It is a natural human feelings to know what the future holds between two people that wants to unite. And this came as a test for two young ladies that joined the church when they got married. And then they met a, a bigger husband in the person of Christ. And the future was presented to them. And then when their natural husbands died, the test was now prominent. Ruth chapter 1 verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Opa kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. So we see the difference. Opa kissed Naomi and returned. Towards many have a value and affection for Christ and yet come short of salvation by him because they cannot find in their hearts to forsake other things for him. They love him and yet leave him because they do not love him enough but love other things better. Towards the young man that went away from Christ went away sorrowful. But Naomi still tried to persuade Ruth in verse 15 says, And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Note, Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Another way of saying it is that, Ruth, go back to your gods. Go back to your people. Now those that forsake the communion of sins and return to the people of Moab and certain, will certainly break off their communion with God and embrace the idols of Moab. Ruth puts an end to the debate by a most solemn profession of her immovable resolution never to forsake her nor to return to her own country and her own old relations again. 16 says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Entreat me not, the margin reads, be not against me. Note, we are to reckon those against us, and really our enemies that will hinder us in our way to the heavenly Canaan. She is very particular in her resolution to cleave to her and never to forsake her and she speaks the language of one resolved for God and heaven. Through the teachings of the sacrificial service Christ was to be uplifted before the nations and all who will look unto him should live and all who like Rehab the Canaanite and Ruth the Moabite, Moabitist turned from idolatry to the worship of the true God were to unite themselves with his chosen people as the numbers of Israel increased they were to enlarge their borders until the kingdom shall embrace the world Christ's object lessons 2.9.0 I find a very interesting contrast in the reading because you see that we are told to call people out of Babylon to join God's people we are to unite form bands and companies but instead of coming out some are going in 
forming strong unions with the world, making the world their closest associates, making the world and its customs and fashions their criterion. Friends, this union with the world is the source of the church's weaknesses. And this union, this evil associates, is the source of our weakness in our walk with God. I'll read the story of Balaam and how he tried to curse Israel, but he could not. And then he observed, he looked upon the encampment of Israel. He beheld with astonishment the evidence of their prosperity. Eternity past 3.15 says they had been represented to him as a rude, disorganized multitude, infesting the country in roving bands, a pest and terror to surrounding nations. But their appearance was the reverse of all these. He saw the vast extent and perfect arrangement of their camp, everything bearing the marks of discipline and order. He was shown the favor with which God regarded Israel and their distinctive character as his chosen people. They were not to stand upon a level with other nations, but to be exalted above them all. The people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. How strikingly was this prophecy fulfilled in the after history of Israel. Now see why he cursed, why the curse worked. In 3.20 says, But amid these attractive surroundings, they were to encounter an evil more deadly than host of armed men or wild beasts of the wilderness. That country, rich in natural advantages, had been defiled by the inhabitants. In the public worship of Baal, the most degrading scenes were enacted. On every side were places noted for idolatry and licentiousness. The names suggestive of corruption, the Israelites' minds became familiar with the vile thoughts constantly suggested. Their life of ease produced its demoralizing effect and almost unconsciously they were departing from God into a condition where they will fall prey to temptation. Midianitish women began to steal into the camp. It was the object of these women to seduce the Hebrews into transgression of the law of God and lead them into idolatry. These motives were studiously concealed under the garb of friendship. At Balaam's suggestion, a grand festival in honor of their gods was appointed by the king of Moab. It was secretly arranged that Balaam should induce the Israelites to attain. He was regarded as a prophet of God and had little difficulty in accomplishing his purpose. Great numbers of the people joined him in witnessing the festivities, beguiled with music and dancing and allured by the beauty of hidden vestals. They cast off their fealty to Jehovah wine beclouded their senses and broke down the barriers of self-control having defiled their consciences by lewdness they were persuaded to bow down to idols they offered sacrifice upon hidden altars and participated in degrading rites the poison spread like a deadly infection through the camp of israel those who will have conquered in battle were overcome by the wiles of women 
the people seemed infatuated. The rulers and leading men were among the first to transgress, and so many of the people were guilty that the apostasy became national. The licentious practice of the Hebrews accomplished for them that which all the warfare of nations and enchantments of Balaam could not do. They became separated from their God. Their covering and protection were removed from them. God turned to be their enemy. So we see how Israel fell on the borders of Canaan. You see that Satan is always is and is constantly using the same technique, the same tactics to bring people our way and anoint them to bring us down. You see, Delilah did not choose something. It wasn't as if he saw something and he, and he was in love with something. Delilah was sent by the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines, to find out the way to bring him down. And we know that on our way to our, this heavenly Canaan, Satan will send people, Ashishites, into our lives. Some of the people that walk up to you very quick, they are not always a blessing. Your antennas have to be up, to be selective, to reason and anoint your eyes with the heavenly eyes of, so that you can detect, you can see where this alliance is going to end up. Stop saying that I hear people say, I'm strong, I'm strong, I can handle it. The strongest man that ever lived physically was Samson. He fell and the Bible says he went out. And he did not know that the spirit had departed from him. The strongest man that ever lived mentally, Solomon, with all his wisdom, it was the same thing. Avengers Home 64, he says, Satan well knew the result that will attain obedience. And during the earlier years of Solomon's reign, years glorious because of the wisdom, the beneficence, and the uprightness of the king, he sought to bring in influences that will insidiously undermine Solomon's loyalty to principle and cause him to separate from God. You know the story how he made marriages and alliances with many, many nations in his idea to Christianize the world. He was using his own method and that was his ruin. Friends, the title of the devotion again it says that we should be selective. And what a friend we have in Jesus if we make him our friend and our confidant. He will pick friends for us. Some of them, they'd be like Peter, a fisherman. Some like Matthew, some like Paul. But these are men, these are people in whom the Spirit of the Lord dwells in. They may have some flaws, but it is obvious and clear that they will have respect unto the covenant. Let us prize their company and prize their fellowship. I'll leave us with the last quote from Corporate Evangelist 646. It says, May the dear Jesus help them to set their faces as a flint against all falsehoods and the flatteries of those who will weaken their purpose to do right or who will insinuate doubt or infidel sentiments to shake their faith in the truth. Young friends, do not spend an hour in the company of those who will unfit you for the pure and sacred work of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, we continue to thank you. Thank you so much for words like this. 
We thank you for our lives. We thank you for the ability and power that is contained in your word to transform lives. Words that sound so simple, but as we obey them, they will save us from thousands of griefs and heartaches. Some of us have been wounded in the house of people we thought were friends. We have formed wrong associates, evil companions, but you're telling us today to have no fellowship with those works anymore and that we are to reprove them, that we have to have the distinction to be dif- different, to dare to be a Daniel and to stand alone, but we know that we're not even standing alone, we will stand with you and we have friends in heavenly places. Help us, O Lord, to be like John, even when all other disciples have died and he was alone in prison in a place where there was nobody to comfort or to console him and to remind him, you visited him. O Lord, we want you to visit us. Help us, for we know that you are the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Bring us into contact with friends and people that will keep our thoughts elevated. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen.